You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. I want to welcome Sienna and Cypress and downtown and our digital family as well. And we've at every campus had a time that we've interviewed widows from our church to be able to hear from their hearts. And so I want you with that in your mind, I want you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5 is where we're going to be. And we're going to look at some great, great words that Paul has for Timothy. Remember that Timothy is the pastor of the church of Ephesus. So he's speaking to, Paul's speaking to Timothy saying, now, pastor, this is what I want you to make your church about. This is what I want you to do. And at the bottom of your listening guide, just so I don't forget, there's a QR code that at any time in the message, any campus, any place, you can click that and it'll give you some information if you want to help with our widow ministry, to be able to volunteer, to make a difference, to help these ladies, that would be wonderful. Or maybe you're a widow and we don't know about your situation and we haven't been able to help you. You can also fill that out as well. And so I just don't want to forget that as I jump into the message and just uh, uh, as we go through the message, I don't want to forget that because it's so important. We need more help. We really do need more help of uh, people to, to reach out and to care for. Widowers, I want you to know that you are important as well. We love you as well. And so we'll see the journey here that the Bible will speak specifically towards widows, but widowers, we want you to know that we have ministries and care that we can give to you as well. Do you know that God describes himself as defending the cause of the fatherless and the cause of the widow. He says that in Deuteronomy chapter 10. In Psalm 68, verse five and six, the psalmist says he's a father to the fatherless and a defender of the widows. He sets the lonely into families. In James 1, 27, it says, this is pure and undefiled religion that you would care for the widow and the orphan. So throughout the scriptures, we see that God is about caring for those that have needs. And in particular, in this passage, caring for widows. Think about the beginning of the early church, Acts chapter six, the deacons cared for the widows and the elders preached the word. Even in the beginning situations of the church, he said, I want these ladies to be cared for. So we're gonna see today, we're gonna see faithful family, wise widows, and a capable church. Those are the three points that we're gonna have today. If you look in your Bible at uh, 1 Timothy chapter five, verse three, Verse one and two talks about how you interact with different generations. Then verse three, it says, support widows who are genuinely in need. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them learn to practice godliness toward their own family, first to repay their parents, for this pleases God. The widow who is truly in need and left all alone has put her hope in God and continues night and day in her petitions and prayers. However, she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command this also so that they will be above reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially for his own household, he has denied the faith and he is worse than an unbeliever. Now we'll make it all the way to verse 16, but verse three through eight gives us our first point. Faithful family is the first point. Faithful family. God has put together families to be able to care for each other. We've, we've got family units are the core of our society and our building block. So it shouldn't be any surprise to you that the devil, the enemy, has come against the family. He sought to redefine it. He sought to break it apart. He sought to splinter it because he knows if that building block of society gets splintered out, then we've got some weaknesses there. So Paul says to Timothy, now the first place is there's gotta be a faithful family. 
The first place is a faithful family. He gives us a few things going on in your listening guide. Number one, repay our parents. Repay our parents. It says it right there as clear as a bell in the scripture. It says in verse four, it says, let them learn to practice godliness toward their own family first and repay their parents for this pleases God. Now, we all need to repay our parents. Now, the question is with inflation or without inflation, what are we gonna do? But we know that it's right to do right by our Lord and by our family. It's an expression of honor. It's an expression of gratitude. It's a statement of the fifth commandment. Honor your parents, right? Honor your father and your mother. So we know that that's right in our hearts. Yes, that's the right thing to do. Number two, he says, this pleases God. Pleases God and expresses our faith. In verse four, it says, let them learn to practice godliness, expresses our faith to repay their parents for this pleases God. Whenever we see something that this pleases God, we've got to take good note of that. That's an important thing as a believer. So when we care for a widow, when we care for those in our family, then this pleases God. And we're all going to get to the stage of life that we're going to care for our parents. We're all going to get to the stage of life that we're going to care for a widow. We should do that at any stage of life, really. But to be able to give that care makes a huge difference and it pleases God. I love what one commentator says. He says, caring for aging parents is a fundamental, fundamental display of Christ's love in and through you. So to fail in this area is to deny your faith. In other words, the Bible is saying that it's impossible for a Christian not to care for the members of his own household. So when there's a widow in your family, the first person that's supposed to give care is not the church. The first person to give care is the family in which that lady is in. That's the closest place. They know the needs the best. They know the husband that stepped into eternity. And that makes a huge difference. I love what Eric Reed on our staff says. Let's just take this as a fastball. Liberals expect the government to do it. Conservatives expect nonprofits to do it. But God expects us to do it. So this isn't the government. This isn't nonprofits. We'll get to the church in a minute. This is us and our family caring for those in our family and really even stepping out and caring for those we'll see in other families as well to have that kind of heart. Now, what does that do? Well, that focuses the church. We'll see that in just a moment. How does it focus the church? Here's how it focuses the church. In verse 16, at the very end, when we get there, it says the families need to care for the widow And if the family can't do it and they don't have any family, then the church will do it. But see, whenever we think, well, the church will do that. Well, the church will do that. Church will raise my kids. Church will teach my kids. Church will do this. Church will do that. What happens is the church gets overwhelmed because what we're to do as individuals, we've farmed out to a third party. And some in our our nation would say, well, nonprofits should do that. Some would say um, that we've got a a moment that, that it's the government that should do that. It's, it's, our responsibility, and then if the person doesn't have a family around, then the church steps in. So caring for family members focuses our church as well. So our application is that we see this as a blessing, not as a burden. We see this as a blessing, not as a burden. Age brings honor. Now that's, that's something we don't think about in our society. Age, just because a person's old, doesn't mean they're right on everything doesn't mean they have the best attitude about everything, but age does bring honor. 
that's right when you honor somebody that's your elder. Students, I want you to hear loud and clear. Yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am is a part of your vocabulary. It's gotta be a part. Please, thank you, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. That will open up a tremendous amount of doors for you. You respect your elders. Age brings honor. And a society that honors those that are aged are those that are, are compassionate and caring in their heart. And we've got to see this as a blessing, not as a burden. It pleases God. Now, obviously, the church of Ephesus must have struggled with this because Paul gives an entire chapter, basically, to caring for, or half of a chapter to caring for widows. Why does that happen? Because of this reason. When we care for somebody else, it crucifies the selfishness in our own life. When we care for somebody else, it crucifies the selfishness in our own life. When you care for a baby, it crucifies the selfishness in your life. You care for a child or a teenager or young adult, whatever it is, it crucifies the selfishness in your life. When you care for somebody that's in need, it crucifies the selfishness. All of us are very busy and all of a sudden a place of need comes in and it makes us not as selfish, but more selfless and it pleases God and God gets his way done in us because he's chiseling off that selfishness. Here's the deal. We're all gonna be there one day, aren't we? I tell my kids all the time, one day you're going to be taking care of me and I'm planning on wearing diapers. That's what I tell them. <laughs> I change your diapers, you're going to change my diapers one day. It's all going to be, and so we want to cultivate, not in a selfish people take care of you way, but we want our society, we want our church, we want our Christianity to be expressed because he says, if you don't care for your family, you're worse than the unbelievers. What does that mean? That's not a lose your salvation verse. You can never lose your salvation, just by the way. That's another sermon for another day. But you can never lose your salvation. Jesus has got you. But you can sure look like you never had your salvation. And when you don't care for your family well, and you don't treat your family well, and you just put them onto somebody else's back, that's a place in which folks can look and say, well, wait a minute. I thought they were going to shine with Christ. Now, it doesn't mean you can't hire somebody to care for somebody in the home. doesn't mean that you can't have other groups that are helping with that. doesn't mean that there's not challenges if one person lives in one uh, you know, part of the state and another person lives in another part of the state. This is not a guilt trip at all. This is just saying there's got to be a heart that we say we're going to care for. We're going to do what we can to make our difference and to do what we can make a difference because one day we're all going to be there. We want to be able to say, Lord, we can trust in our care now that we are able to teach the next generations our care then. Now, let me teach you or let me show you if I can. This is my favorite part of the message, the wise widows, the wise widows. These ladies are incredible. I love what you just heard at every campus to hear an interview. I love, if you look at verse five, I wanna show you verse five and then we'll jump into some other verses. We'll jump from five to nine, but it says this, the widow who is truly in need and left all alone has put her hope in God and continues night and day in her petitions and prayers. 
And then it goes on, if, the, if a woman is self-indulgent, she's walking away from God, then she's gonna be spiritually dead in the sense that she's not gonna live the purpose that God has for her. Look at verse nine. No widow is to be enrolled on the list for support until she is at least 60 years old. That was a little discouragement to us. That was considered old age at that moment uh, in biblical times. So if you're like, no, 60 is the new 30. Not in the Bible it is, okay? So just bad news for you there. Um, enrolled till they're 60 and has been the wife of one husband and is well-known for good works. Listen to who this woman is. Well-known for good works. That is, if she has brought up children, shown hospitality, washed the saints' feet, that's humility, helped the afflicted, and devoted herself to every good work, but refused to enroll the younger widows when they are drawn away from Christ by desire that they want to marry and will therefore receive condemnation because they have renounced their original pledge. At the same time, they are also to learn to be idle. They are also, they also learn to be idle going from house to house, but they are not only idle, but they are also gossips and busybodies saying that these thing, things that they shouldn't say. Verse 14. Therefore, I want the younger women to marry, have children, manage their household, give the adversary no opportunity to accuse them. For some have already followed, uh, turned away to follow Satan. Verse 16, last verse. If any believing woman has widows in her family, let her help them. Let the church not be burdened so that it can help widows that are in genuine need. So he takes the wise widows here and he says, I want you to know there's, there's gonna be kind of two sections of widows. Now it's not just by age, it's by really their hearts for the Lord. Because there's young widows, godly young widows, and there's godly old widows. We know that. But I want you to see that there's verse five that she's given her heart in prayer day and night. She's interceding for prayer in prayer for other people. She's just going to the Lord. And then the other widow is saying, no, I'm gonna live indulgently and I'm gonna go and I'm free now and I can do whatever I wanna do. He says, hey, to those younger ones, you got a lot of life ahead of you. And he says right there, I want you to remarry. I want you to, you got a lot of things to do. And so I want you to remarry because I don't want you to follow in the wrong path. Now remember, in the church of Ephesus, where this, this Bible book is written towards, Timothy is the pastor of Ephesus, you've got the Temple of Diana. And so this Temple of Diana is a false goddess with false teaching. And so that's why we end up with a lot of teaching here about women in the book of 1 Timothy. Because these ladies with this goddess as the center of their society begin to do things that they shouldn't do that didn't shine with Christ. And so he says, I want the younger ones, if you need to, don't, don't follow the wrong direction. You get married, find that godly man, and trust God with that. But for those ones that are over 60, sure, they can remarry as well, but I want you to know there's gonna be a special care that happens. So he gives a little bit of a list, if you will. He says, I want this woman to have no family if the church is gonna care for her, to be known for good works, to be at least 60 years old, to only have one husband, and to have no desire to marry. Now, I wanna quickly say this. Our church cares for widows across the board, Okay. But we're able to focus and to say, okay, if they're on this list, how can we focus really into that to really make a difference there? Now, we got a good kick out of this a few weeks ago. I told you that I read a lot of books on sabbatical to prepare for First Timothy. And one of my favorite books was Let Me Be a Woman was my favorite book that I read on sabbatical. And I told you it was a little odd when I'd be, you know, sitting at an airport reading Let Me Be a Woman. I got some strange looks, you know, today's world. You never know how that's going to go. But I got to this section here that I just want to read you, if you'll let me, two paragraphs from Elizabeth Elliot, who was a widow, then she was remarried. But I want you to read these two paragraphs because I want us to learn from these wise women. 
We're talk about prayer in just a second. So much we can learn from these women. And one of the things that we can learn that she brings out here is appreciation. Appreciation. Here's what she says. There was a series of letters to the columnists and landers on the subject of men who snore, okay? This is gonna hit home. I feel like it. Just on the men's retreat, and we got a lot of men who snore. I want you to know. Wives wrote in complaining of the countless hours of lost sleep and the irritation of that awful noise beside them in the bed. Others wrote offering solutions, but the discussion came to an end with one letter. And I don't know why this touches me so much, but it does. It was from a widow, and she said, snoring is the sweetest music in the world. Ask any widow. Those ladies to be there in that bedroom in the silence. How often I have sat in a room full of people and I've heard the wife contradict, criticize, belittle, and sneer at her husband before the rest of the company. I've had difficulty restraining myself, not leaping from my chair, going over and shaking that woman by the shoulders and saying, do you not realize what you've got? She doesn't. She hasn't my perspective, of course. If only there was some way for every wife to have the experience of losing her husband for a little time, even of thinking that he is dead, in order to regain the perspective she needs for genuine appreciation. That was powerful two paragraphs for me. As we see the appreciation that comes, and this isn't just a appreciate your husband point, though it is, this is a stage of life, savor the moment place that God's given us. And we can learn that from our widows. We can learn that from our widowers. For them to say, don't be too worried about your kids eating two cookies. It's okay. You savor that moment. Don't worry about being too busy. There'll be a time you wish you were busier. As loud as the house was, is as quiet as the house is now. Savor those days. We learn prayer from these ladies as well. You know, you think about the widow's might. I want to tell you about the widow's might. Because there's some prayer that happens in verse five that day and night they're interceding for God. I want you to know that widows in our church are some of the most fervent prayer intercessors in our church. Where would our church be without the prayers of the widows, widowers as well, and all of us praying? But in particular, those ladies, as they go to God day and night, and they have that time, and they have that space, and they become powerful might, a widow's might, that the widow's might is that they become intercessors in prayer like no other. Why? Because her whole life she's been devoted to good works. She's been humble and washing the feet of the saints. She's been caring for her children. She's been caring for her home. She's been making a difference for Jesus and God's been doing something in her. And so now in this moment, she says, I wanna intercede as the older women, we'll see later in Timothy and also in Titus, as the older women teach the younger women. And so there's this power that happens as they're devoted to that. So the younger women, it says, don't be lured by the things of the world. And if you need to remarry, man, if God provides that, amen. But for the older women, I want you to be fervent in prayer. I want you to know this place. I want you to be a teacher to the rest of the church. I want you to shine with all that you get with this wisdom. I mean, didn't you learn some amazing things from just our, our testimony time, just our interview time? I mean, I didn't even really need to preach. They preached it for us today. I'm just telling you the scriptures of what they were telling us. 
As was said earlier, I got to write, um, we're going to go through this as a church for December, a December devotional called Salvation Has Come. And there's a, a moment, it goes through the book of Luke. And in this, this book of, of Luke that we have here, or going through with the devotional here, there was one little section in Luke uh, chapter 21 where it talks about the widow dropping in her mites, the widow and the two coins. And I just want to read you just a paragraph from my heart about these widows. We've attended her husband's funeral and risen to our feet in respect as she walks into the worship center in grief, in shock, in disbelief. We've shed our tears for her and for him. The pain is real and palpable. We've also seen the strength of these widows. Personally, as a pastor, I am amazed by these women, both old and young, Kindness and smiles grace their countenance as they greet me on Sunday. Strength and sincerity seem to be the fruit of processed grief. God has met them in their pain and faithfully made them a blessing to the rest of us. If you are a widow reading this, we honor you, we love you, and God is with you this Christmas, and so are we. To be able to learn and to see the blessing and the sweetness of these ladies. That then thrusts us in to saying, well, we want to be a church that cares in that way. We want to be a church that honors in that way. We want to be a church that cares for those that are in need, whether it's poverty, whether it's widow, whether it's orphan, whether it's a struggle of addiction, whatever it is. Because this is pure and undefiled religion that the church, that the believers in Christ would care for the orphan and the widow, would care for those in need. So let's look now, if we can, at the last verse there of verse 16. It says, if any believing woman has widows in her family, let her help them. Now, let her help them. We'll talk about that in just a second. Let the church not be burdened so that it can help widows in genuine need. Ladies, you have a special way of caring for people. It's a blessing. I hope you never throw that off in some type of, don't tell me I'm just sweet. God has given you so much, ladies. Do you know that 97% of the professional caregivers in our society are ladies? 97%. That's an amazing thing. And so even here, even if any believing woman has widows in her family, let her help them. Now, does that, that doesn't mean, men, we don't do that. We can't do that. It's just saying there's a sweetness that comes when a widow and a woman get together. You see that? And they're able to share their hearts in that way. But the men, we come through and we do men serve. We do a lot of things in our church that make a huge difference. So here's our last point, a capable church, a capable church. The first place it's supposed to be is within the family that there's to be care. And then if the family is unable to do it, then the church steps in so the church can do it well. The church can't do it for everyone. But the church can do it, wants to do it for everyone, reaches out to everyone, but to be able to make this really this care to be given in the right ways. So it says, if the family's not able to do it, let the church not be burdened so that it can help the widows that are in genuine need. We care for those who don't have family because the church is a family of faith. Did you hear that? The church is a family of faith. So you don't have a family, we'll be your family. You could be a brother and sister in Christ underneath the eternal father who sent his son so that we could be the house of the Lord. Do you hear a lot of family in that? That's a lot of family in that. 
And so he said, I want you to come. If your family's not able, I want you to be able to come and we wanna care for you. And we team up with the families as well. Don't, don't think I'm drawing a hard line by any means. We care for those who are in need. And we are so proud of our widows and we're so proud of our church. We're proud of what God has done. Can I just brag on you as a church? This isn't me bragging as the pastor on the church. This is me bragging on you because we are the people, name of the series, the people of the church. Let me tell you a few things that we've been able to do. You've been able to do. I've been able to do through our giving. We give to what's called mission dignity. 100% of our gift helps over uh, 2,500 retired ministers and widows. Approximately 60% are just the widows. One out of four of them are pastor's wife that are over 85 years old. Our church has contributed since 2016 $325,000 to caring for these ladies in this way. That's amazing. Hold your applause. I want you to go crazy in the end. Here we go though. Our Windows Benevolence Fund, we have been able to activate $384,000 to help with widows keeping them in their home by doing repairs that they're past what men serve can do, plumbing needs, AC needs, leaky roofs. We've gone into the widows' homes and we've spent $384,000 to be able to care. That's your giving it action at work. It's amazing. Our deacon body serves widows. In Acts chapter six, we see that as part of the role of the deacon body. We have 109 deacons that right now are serving between one and three widows with each deacon. 505 widows are actively in our membership at our church right now. We have 500, over 500 widows actively in our church membership right now. And some of them are homebound and some of them are able to come to the church. And so we have been serving in that way. We do men serve. It's a great thing where we have the men of the church go out about six times a year to serve widows in the church. And they go and they do yard work and they help change light bulbs and they help paint stuff and they help fix things. They kind of do the honeydew list that's there to be able to do that. Let me just show you, as I tell you the facts, I just want to scroll through some of the pictures as you listen it up. As you listen to this, we'll put these up. We began in 2012 and it's grown since then. It happens every other month, about six times a year. And on average, each weekend that we do this on a Saturday morning, basically, we serve about 150 widows on a Saturday morning. Every widow, young and old, is eligible for men's serve. We draw no lines of distinction. If somebody needs help, if you need help and you're hearing my voice right now, you click that QR code. There's a table in every single campus today for two things. One, if you're a widow that needs help or you're someone that wants to help with widows, you can go out to that table in the four years of all of our campuses and connect. Men's Serve has been incredible. What a great, great ministry of seeing our men of our church serving our widows. We have a group that's called Phase Two. Phase Two is a ministry program of our pastoral care that cares for our widows. They meet 11 times a year to just eat together. Just have a meal together. We have programming that we do. We have entertainment that we do. We care for them in those ways and fellowship just to get them. I love when it's a lunchtime with those ladies or a dinner time and I'm just able to walk in and say hello and to be able to talk with them. We also have what's called Iron Sharpens Iron. That's a ministry to our widowers. Wow, what an amazing opportunity. And here's the thing, we need even more help. We need help in preschool. We need help in widow ministry. We need help everywhere because God's growing our church. He's doing so many great things. And so if you've been on the sidelines, I just want to encourage you, jump in. But if you're not going to jump in with your heart, please don't jump in. We are not going to give you one of these ladies to care for, for you to forget about in a month. 
We're not going to do it. We're going to double them up and have three of them with one deacon, and we're going to do, we're going to do everything we can, but we are not going to have anybody that doesn't have a heart for loving these ladies sign up. If you have a heart, please sign up because we have widows that have no care because we're too busy. If you're a widow and you need care, please let us know. We have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in man hours, woman hours, because we love you. And we just don't think we can be a great church without caring for the widows of the church. We just can't. We just can't. Let's cheer for all the things the Lord's allowed us to do. The call to action is in the lobby of every campus and a QR code in every hand is if you want to be a part of it. And here's the question, men, I want to tell you this, and then I want to give you a last illustration and we're done. Men, statistically, one day your wife will be on this list. How do you want her cared for? Do you want some guys coming by her house to help her? Do you want somebody to call her? Say, how you doing? Would it mean something to you if someone picked her up and took her to church? Would it be special to you that someone helped her with the grocery store or helped her with her bills or helped her with her computer or whatever it is? One day, statistically, men, your wife is going to be on this list. And your kids should come around, yes. And your grandkids should come around, yes. And the church will come around as well. I remember when I was in College Station doing ministry, I would drive to Houston at what was Houston Baptist University at the time, now Houston Christian University, and I'd go to seminary. I'd go every Monday. So I'd leave Sunday night uh, and come down, stay here in Houston with my, my mom, and then go Monday to school. And then Monday, I'd drive back to College Station because Tuesday was going to be breakaway, and I had to get my message ready and all that stuff, and I'd spend a day in school. And when I was in college, we would go to this retreat center kind of out in, in between Houston and, and College Station, and there was this old couple, the Towries, husband and wife, that they ran this retreat center, and you just pay them whatever it was, and I'd go on retreats from college there, and they were just so faithful, and then Mr. Towery died. And then I got to be friends with this, this family and this, this lady, Mrs. Towery, and I would be driving back from seminary. I learned all this stuff about God, all these papers I had written. All, I was going to get a master's degree. And I would drive and I'd get her right about where her house would be. And I'd just hear in my head, this is pure and undefiled religion that you would visit and care for the widow and the orphan. And I'd say, Lord, I don't got time. I got to get a message ready tomorrow. These students are showing up. I, I got I just next week, next week, and I'd pure and undefiled religion. This is what it is to visit the widow and the orphan and to care for the widow and the orphan. And I'd just put on my left turn and I would exit that ramp. I'd get off of 290 and I'd go by her house and I'd knock on the door. I'd say, Miss Towery, it's Greg. Oh, Greg, come on in. You want some Sara Lee pound cake? Can I make you a cup of coffee? And we'd sit there and Miss Towery and I would just sit in that chair, sit at that table, that big, quiet house. And we'd talk. And she'd say, what are you learning at seminary? What are you preaching on right now? How can I pray for you? And then she'd always tell me at the end, she'd say, you go get as much education as you can, but don't ever let them steal your passion, Greg. Don't ever let them steal your passion. It's about your heart, not your head. And I'd hug her at the door. I'd get back in my car. And I'd drive back to my busy life. 
and I was the one that received the blessing. I was the one that received the blessing. And she may say it's the same thing. I, I don't know. She's in heaven now with the Lord. But when we do what the scripture says and we care for people, these strong, strong women, please don't let this message sound anything of weakness. There's a widow's might. But there's a need there that's as well. And so I submit to you, our church is doing that. And we want to do that. And that's a heartbeat of us. Come join us in doing that. And let the word of God be fulfilled. And let's learn from one another and watch God at work. And you'll receive a blessing. And they'll receive a blessing. And you know what? It just may feel like the family of God in caring for people. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for our young widows. And we thank you for our old ones. Lord, we know that their grief has been big. We trust you, Lord. And we ask God that you would move on our hearts, speak to our souls in Siena and Cyprus and downtown, the Loop, Digital Family. We thank you for chapter five of 1 Timothy that we get to see the greatness of these women, the wow of them. And we get to be a part of the blessing of ministering as a church. We pray for our widowers as well. And may we be a place that cares deeply for our families and for those in our care as a church. Pray if you would, just in your heart. Has God spoken something to you today? Have you learned something today? Is there an action point today? Do you need to serve in preschool? Do you need to serve in widow care? Do you need to serve with young adults? What, what, you know, what is it? You need to trust Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you don't realize you're the one that's the orphan right now spiritually, and you need the Heavenly Father. Ask Him to save your soul, forgive your sins, and live inside you. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for the privilege of ministry of our church to these women. Bless it. Use it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.